Welcome, welcome to the Lifting Lindsay podcast. Today, I'm going to speak to those of you who feel hungrier, usually around seven to 10 days before their period starts and are wondering why, why do I feel this way and what do I do about it? I think that that's really important that we discuss like the what do we do about it? How can we be in control versus being victims? Now, before I get started talking about this, I do want to remind everybody that on Monday, the new training programs in the Lifting Lindsay app began. So these are training programs that are focusing on fat loss, on muscle and strength, or my personal program um, found under the group Train With Me, which is a five-time-a-week program where we're focusing on glutes and delts. So if that's something that you're interested in, it is not too late to start. By all means, come and join us. In fact, this week, we have been staying away from failure, all sets, all sets away from failure. And next week, we will introduce one set, the last set to failure and as a progression. So you can start next week. There's nothing wrong with that. Come and join us. Come train with us. I love the strong group of women that we have. We have a community in Facebook as well where we share recipes. I encourage people to post videos of themselves lifting so that we can all learn together on form. And I answer any questions for you as well as do monthly uh, Zoom calls because I like seeing your guys' faces. I don't want to just do this thing where you send in um, questions and I do a video answering them to me. That's boring. Like I want to see your face. I want to talk with you. And a lot of times what I end up doing is giving people their nutrition plans and their cardio plans and everything as we talk through their personal goals. So it's an awesome opportunity to kind of get, uh, for me to get to know you guys a little bit better and for you guys to come and uh, speak with me as well. Awesome. Okay. So let's dive on into this. Now, first and foremost, before I talk about this topic, I do want to say one thing. Hormones and hormonal shifts are actually very um, unique to the person. Like there are trends that we see with women, but how one experiences it can be vastly different from someone else. And and I remember that um, just growing up and hearing my sisters talk about their periods versus me and how I felt during um, mine. So we are going to speak in generalities but I want you to understand that you are an individual and not every single woman gets hungrier seven to 10 days before her period. Some women actually experience greater hunger during. um, And there's just so many different um, fluctuations of hormones. And there's also the psychological aspect where sometimes we're not dealing with hormonal shifts of increases of hunger, but just somebody is feeling uncomfortable because they are menstruating. And so they start turning to foods for sources of comfort and feel good and um, just a way for them to uh, self-medicate, if you will. Now, I'm not going to be discussing that, although the principles will still apply that I'm going to share at the very end of what we can do to be proactive and not a victim to um, 
are hormonal shifts. Uh, so we will discuss that towards the end. Okay, so let's talk about why people usually experience hunger 7 to 10, 15 days before um, their periods begin. So this has to do with hormonal shifts. So it seems that, and and I'm excited to do a YouTube episode on this so that I can actually show you the cycle that estradiol and progesterone actually have during your menstrual cycle. but since you can't see that, you can actually Google it. If you just Google menstrual cycle and hormone fluctuations, you can see these graphs and it's it's pretty cool. But anyway, basically we have different hormones in our body, right? And some of them will actually lower our appetite and some will stimulate. So we have estrogens and the most common one, the, more, the one that we know the most about is estradiol. And that one seems to have direct correlation when it's higher to us experiencing lower appetite. So during the late follicular phase, we actually will peak with estradiol and then it starts going down through the days of ovulation. And then during the luteal, which is the last phase, it seems to go down and then get a slight increase and then go down again. So you have estradiol that has this important role in our appetite and almost not suppressing it, but we just have a lower appetite when it's higher. And then we have progesterone and testosterone. And I'm going to focus mainly on progesterone here because we see a spike in progesterone in the luteal phase. And progesterone may stimulate ghrelin or an increase in hunger signals. I, I understand that that can be confusing me saying all that. If you were looking at a graph of this, what's fascinating is most women tell me seven to 10 days before my period starts, I just get super hungry. If you're looking at this graph, what happens about seven to 10 days before is we see the almost the lowest point of estradiol, estradiol going down and it crosses progesterone that is spiking. So we kind of have this bad mix here of hormone shifts of the hormone that is tied to lower appetite is now going down and what's going up is progesterone that seems, it appears to be tied to ghrelin or an increase of hunger signals. So that's typically what people are talking about when they say we're experiencing these hormonal shifts. And one thing that's very fascinating, the more I study hormones, actually the more I realize there is so much within the body we don't understand. So it's interesting even looking up these studies and hearing the way these researchers are talking and doctors are talking, it's always like 
it appears, it may, we're seeing signs of this. So we are still very much figuring out the human body. And, but we are noticing these certain fluctuations. And it is interesting how certain women may experience them more or less than others. And that could be for numerous reasons, just our own genetics, um, the environment we've created for ourselves. Um, it could also include uh, birth control, right? So birth control, if you're not getting that spike in progesterone, um, it, you're not, your body's not uh, creating that and we're not seeing that increase so much. Maybe that's why these individuals are not experiencing those that are on birth control don't, may not seem to be experiencing um, those shifts in appetite as much as people who are not on it, right? So um, there's just these different factors that can go in. So just because I'm talking about this doesn't mean that you are going to experience an increase in hunger. This is... Like I said, we're talking in generalities, but you need to make sure that you are just looking at yourself as an individual. Do you know what's fascinating? I was on an IUD for um, four years, was it? Almost five because Link just barely turned four, right? So, and I didn't experience any of these. Since getting off of it, I have now noticed as my body has stabilized and my hormones are stabilizing and I'm having regular periods again, I have noticed that a week out of my period, my hunger is beginning to rise. So it is really fascinating. I didn't experience that on my uh, when I was on my IUD. Now off of it, I am experiencing this. So that is one of the reasons for this. Now, there are some people I did want to touch on one other thing before I go into what I like to do with myself and clients, because I'm now um, needing to monitor this a little bit more, right? But I do want to touch on this. There have been a lot of people saying that right before we menstruate, that our BMR or RMR, they're, they're uh, closely tied together, but they're not similar, but or they're not the exact same, but they are similar. Anyways, your um, resting metabolic rate um, increases two to 300 calories right before your period. And that kind of, when you say that, a lot of women almost feel like, okay, now I can overeat because my BMR is is rising so technically my my maintenance is now up 2 to 300 calories i want to talk about this because this is ridiculously common to hear people cite that now we actually have a ton of research on this subject but i'm going to quote a meta analysis and i'll have it in the notes as well the reason why I'm going to quote a meta-analysis on this, and let me explain what a meta-analysis is. So basically, researchers go in and they pull together, they compile all of these studies that have been done on a topic. And usually when the meta-analysis has been done correctly or, and done wisely, 
the researchers will make sure that certain criteria is hit before they'll even take into account what the study says. Like, should we include this one study? And they'll review it and be like, no, it was done very poorly. Or we may include it with the facts that this and this and this may be off on it. Anyways, meta-analysis, I love reading through them because if you just look at one study, it may have been done very poorly. And so just looking at that in the abstract, people, this, in my opinion, do this all the time and they get this very wrong. I'm not saying that I'm a professional at reading studies by any stretch of the imagination. If you ever read one, they're very complex. Um, over the years, I've, I've improved my skill at it and I've just noticed a few things. Meta-analysis, when they're done really well, are far more reliable than just one study because they're looking at the bulk of studies that we have up to that point. Anyways, I digress. So I just wanted to explain why I'm, I'm using this meta-analysis because you can cherry pick research on this. You could go back to you know, uh, 1983 where they had this one study and it shows that women's BMR went up um, during this period by 300 calories right? You can, you can find that one study. But when we're looking at a meta-analysis um, of many studies, what we're noticing is this. So let me share this information because I think this is really interesting. So when we're looking at this meta-analysis, they noticed that about 47% of those studies did show a slight increase of metabolic rate during the luteal phase. That is the last phase leading up to menstruation. So 47% of those studies are saying, see, it, BMR did go up, their maintenance did go up, but it was slight. Now, what's so 47% saying there is an increase, 50 3% saying that there wasn't an increase. Now, what I like about this meta-analysis is they decided, let's actually take only the studies from the year 2000 or later. Um, and, I, and this is very important, guys, because technology has come a long ways since 1985 when I was born. Okay, so if you're looking at 1985 studies, to prove this one thing. Well, things have come a long way since then. So the researchers decided 2000 and beyond because of the differences in technology of the measurement devices that they were using. And they found from 2000 on, the measuring devices seemed more, a little bit, a, a bit more precise. So when looking at the studies from 2000 on, they're finding that 31% of those showed a greater BMR during luteal phase compared to 69% that found that there were no differences between this phase. Why am I bringing this up? Why do I think it's important? Because a lot of women are using this as a reason to overeat. They're saying, oh, see, my BMR goes up. Like I, I, I'm reiterating this. I know I already said it, but I'm reiterating it. You need to hear this. Some of you need to hear it two, three times. They'll say, see, the study said my, my BMR went up, my maintenance went up. 
And so I need to be eating three, 400 calories over what my maintenance was before. Well, how do you know? How do you know that you're one of the 30% that showed a quote unquote slight increase? 300 calories is not a slight increase, guys. So I just want to really make sure that one, unless you know, because somehow you've gone in and done some metabolic testing during this phase to know, then you're just guessing. And it very could be that you're just kind of giving in to more of an emotional decision that you just kind of want to be one of that 30%. And maybe you're not. And then once again, remember it was slight differences. So we're looking at like a 50 calorie difference, not a 300. But but studies have shown that women will eat more during this phase. Why? Because the hunger signals increase. Not necessarily that 100% of women see an increase in their BMR. Because from studies from 2000 on, about 70% saw no differences between the phases and what their maintenance was. So when you hear somebody say, well, you can eat way, way more because you're in your, your, you know, your luteal phase. And so you can eat more because you need like two, 300 calories, 200 to 300 calories. Just be like, no, I I probably don't. (laughs) I probably don't. Um, So that's just really important to understand. So let me just kind of restate what we've said so far. It does appear that our appetite and and our hunger experience shifts seven to 10 days out from menstruation. It doesn't appear that every single woman needs the extra calories that their body is now sending more ghrelin, more hunger signals for. Okay. Now, what do we do about this though? Because I know that this haunts a lot of women. I've coached some of those women who it's really hard for them to stay on track. And then they just beat themselves up, right? They just beat themselves up because they can't stay on track. So then it goes from, it just, it just is the spiral down. And then the period starts and then and then the the them shaming themselves just lasts another 2 to 3 weeks just for this all to start all over again right this whole process too so i actually encourage those who do see a strong increase in hunger signals go back up to maintenance if you are in a 350 400 calorie deficit. Go back up to maintenance for five, six days. It's not going to kill you. It's not going to destroy all of your progress. Because remember, this is not a race. This is not who can get there fastest. I want you to get there. And if this is the very thing that's screwing you up so you can't even get there, then yeah, you're not going to be the first one to even get there because you're not getting there, right? So 
it's okay that this is part of your journey. And you know, if later, a, a lot of times I've seen women who go through such a hard time trying to figure out fitness and health and figuring out how to, you know, put meals together and make this a lifestyle and something finally clicks and it just, they get so empowered and then they hit their goals and then they feel so good and they start looking around. What do they want to do? They want everyone to rise up with them, right? They start looking around saying, how can I help someone? And do you know what's really cool? The very struggles that you thought were going to break you, something like, I just can't control myself during my period or around it or the week leading up to it. I didn't, I don't know what to do. This very obstacle becomes a powerful tool for you to help other people because you can say, do you know what? I've been there. I've been there. I know how much it sucks. I know how you'll beat yourself up. And then you can be the very means to reach out and lift somebody else up. So I want you to look at this instead of being like, I'm a victim of my (laughs) menstruating. I'm a victim of my biology to think, how can I be the victor? And then use what I learned, the tools that I learned to help help other people rise up too, right? Because honestly, that's, that's the best part. It's really cool when you hit your fitness goals. Do you know what's even cooler? Helping someone else reach theirs. I'm not getting emotional, <laughs> but I'm... I will tell you that I speak from experience. Oh man, there's nothing better than getting those messages of women who are like, I, I have stepped into my power. I have become a better version of myself and not that losing weight does that to them. Because I've said this a million times, it's not the weight loss, right? It's that they finally learned something about themselves, that they are stronger mentally and physically than they ever thought that they were before. It's pretty cool to be on this side of the fence and open up the door and help people come in and help people rise up. It's really, really cool. So use these experiences, your struggles of your own fitness and health journey to reach out and be able to find people in the trenches who just feel stuck and reach down and help pull them out. You will actually be so grateful for your time that you spent in the trenches because it will allow you to connect far more deeply with people and help them in ways that those who are like, well, this was a breeze for me. I just did it. No problems. So easy. Just do it. Just make up your mind to do it and do it, right? (laughs) Not very many people connect with them. They may be inspired by them. That's amazing. It's pretty hard to connect with them though. So now let's take a step back off of that soapbox. I'm sorry, little tangent for you. So what can we do about these things? Like I said, go ahead and raise your calories up. Maybe you're scared and you don't want to raise your calories back up to maintenance. That's okay. 
but give yourself maybe two to 300 calories more. So that's, that's the first thing that I would say. The second thing is I want you to review the food choices that you're making. I want you to make sure that you're getting more fiber in your foods. Okay. That one is going to be very important because it's going to help you feel fuller longer. So raise your calories, eat more fibrous foods. This is, this is one that people always ignore. Eat slower. Eat slower. It actually takes time for your body to send signals from your stomach to your brain saying, I'm full. Have you ever, and I've shared this story so many times, but you make dinner for your kids or you make lunch or whatever. They scarf it down on a good day after they complain about it for a while. Um, they, They eat it all up and then they look and they eat it so fast, like a minute and it's gone. And then they're like, oh, I'm still hungry. Can you make me another one? And old Lindsay, before I knew all this, would be like, oh yeah, wow, you're really hungry. And I would make it for him and then what? Well, it took 10 to 15 minutes, then they would decide they're not hungry anymore because finally their body was like, oh, I'm full. Well, it's the same thing with us adults. So take your time, okay? Take your time eating. It really does make a difference. And another thing I'm going to throw out there, you better be sleeping. Seven plus hours of sleep, seven plus hours of sleep because Sleep deprivation really messes with hormones and it can increase your hunger hormones. So that one is going to really, really help you out during, especially during this time when you're already experiencing an increase. Turn off the Netflix, turn off the TikTok or whatever's on your phone, turn it off and get your sleep. That is going to be huge. Okay, thank you so much for joining me today on the Lifting Lindsay podcast. If you have any questions, let me know. You can follow me at Lifting Lindsay on Instagram. I also am starting a YouTube channel, so please go and support there. Comment, like, it really helps me out. Um, I give so much information for free. And if you appreciate that, I would really appreciate um, just likes, shares, comments, just to kind of help out that whole weird algorithm thing. It would just really, really, really help me out. Thank you so much, guys. Let me know if you have any questions. Go to liftinglindsay.com if you want to sign up and come and train with us. 